find people who celebrate when you go into Target and not buy something at the dollar spot or like yeah. when you like <laughs> don't get the extra stuff at Starbucks or some of those little things. Or if you don't fight about money with your partner, find ways to celebrate because that's what's going to maintain your motivation for the long haul. Don't focus only on the numbers, focus on behavioral growth too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gumption. My name's Lil, and I'm your host for the podcast that inspires you to become the main character of your own life. One of my absolute favorite things about doing this podcast so far has been the connections I've made with people in what seems to be the most spontaneous of ways and how our networks have overlapped to meet the most amazing people doing really cool things. This week's guest is no exception because I was actually connected to her through a former Gumption alumni and boy did I need to hear what she had to say. All of us Gumption seeking people really love a good adventure and it occurred to me that there's one thing every single adventure requires whether we like to recognize it or not, and that is money. Whether it's gas money to drive to a cool new spot, buying ingredients at the grocery store for some adventurous baking endeavor, getting tickets to a festival or an event, or going on a manhunt in the thrift store, literally everything we do in some way costs something. And as someone who's pretty early on in their personal finance journey, I find this extremely, extremely daunting. Trying to adult and just figure out how to best spend your salary or your wage and like apply it towards the bills and wants and desires you already have is just so much. So I was really excited to have Taylor Sminchak of Blossom Financial Coaching on the pod this week to talk about how she approaches coaching people of all ages at whatever stage they are in their personal finance journey, specifically how to reduce the stress that surrounds this topic. I feel like talking about money has always been a very shameful and like embarrassing thing for me. So I think it's just really helpful to break down those inner demons that like make us shrivel up when we're forced to confront our finances. I left this conversation feeling very inspired to look at it from a different perspective rather than almost shying away from it, really just embracing what are my dreams and my goals and how can I make my money work for me in that way. So without further ado, please welcome Taylor Sminchak. Welcome Taylor to Gumption. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. Big fan of the podcast for sure. I'm really happy that we were connected to each other because I feel like your expertise is just a topic that I personally don't know a lot about. And I think we can both agree that money is stressful for everybody. Even in the limited exposure I've had to your social media, I've been really impressed by the way you make it so creative and fun. And I'm excited to talk more about it. Definitely. Yeah, thanks. So my name is Taylor Sminchak. So I am a financial coach. I live in a suburb of the Akron area. So we're kind of local. I think we're about an hour or so apart from each other. I have just really developed a passion for helping people with their personal finances. And that's because I had to learn a lot on my own and I, I made mistakes and I learned them the hard way. And so now I'm just really passionate about helping other women in particular just to avoid those mistakes or if they've made similar mistakes 
mistakes or even different mistakes than I have changed that. I am a wife. I'm a mom of two toddlers. So my life is pretty crazy with the two kids alone. So just <laughs> chaos all the time. I have a three-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. And we love to go camping. Just something about us personally. We like to go camping all the time. Glamping, I should say, in our travel trailer. Not true, true camping. <laughs> and then we're big Disney people too. So we like to travel and to do those types of things. And so that also translates into my financial coaching business, making sure that people, if they want to travel, for example, or do other fun things in their life to make sure that we make that happen. I know you shared this with me on the phone a little bit, and I would like to talk more about too, your background. I know you mentioned that you used to work in financial aid for college students. My experiences with financial aid people at the university I went to were like, horror stories. So I was like, <laughs> she is such a nice person. And I would love to hear her perspective on how that shaped kind of where you are now and your business and everything. My master's degree, it's in student affairs and higher education. So a lot of people don't know that's a whole field, but basically we learned what makes a college student tick, how to support them in their development um, and whatnot. And so my first position as a graduate assistant was working at a one-stop. And so we did a little bit of everything. I'm not sure if you, your university had that, but we helped with your bill. We helped with your financial aid and also registering for classes all in one spot. And so that was my first exposure to anything financial. Like I don't have a background in this by any means. And so just helping students and their families navigate the tough conversations about financial aid and student loans and bills and scholarships was a big piece of that too. Not something I definitely thought I would get into, but in my last role working at the University of Akron, I helped students at a student support office. So students who were struggling with really anything. So if they were struggling with mental health, if they were struggling with financial barriers or academic concerns, they would come to us and we would support them to help them stay in school, basically. That's kind of where I've gotten tasked to do financial wellness education, just to help college students in particular of how do we budget? How do we prevent emergencies? How do we make sure we can afford food and, and housing, and but also like still have fun in college because that's super important. Developed a program there and it, my program was recognized on a state level and a national level. So again, not anything I thought I would get into, but here I am doing it. So that's how I developed a passion and wanting to help people one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's what made me launch my business, Blossom Financial Coaching, where I help people individually. That's really cool that you came at it from an education background and perspective, because I think that takes a lot of the stress off to begin with. You're sort of approaching it as like, how can we coach people and help them, like you said, for all aspects of their being, their wellness, their mental health, not just the numbers of their finances. That's such an important piece to include because sometimes money and your stress are very intertwined with each other, especially for people like I would include myself in this demographic who don't necessarily understand a lot about finances and have had to learn everything yourself. Yeah, money affects every aspect of our well-being, whether we want to realize it or not, but it yeah. affects our health, it affects our stress, it affects where we live and who we hang out with. I think I saw a stat, it was like 90% of people are stressed about money, so you're not alone. I wow. feel like no matter how much money you have, you're stressed about money to some degree. Breaking it open and talking about it too is one thing because we sort of like mm -hmm. build up these ideas about things that are really adulty and really stressful, but to just understand it and break it down into simpler terms, it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. I don't have to 
make it some huge thing. I can just be consistent about it and work on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's half the battle, right? Just making it approachable and not some lofty thing that we avoid and yeah, baby steps. I think that's really important just to inch your way into it and make it approachable. Absolutely. I really want to debunk and demystify this stress surrounding finances, especially for people just out of college age, 20 somethings. That is definitely a big group of my listeners. And I know I have people of all ages who listen, but I feel like maybe the older people have figured it out a little bit more <laughs> than we have. Um, <laughs> We're still maybe not. it and figuring it out. Yeah. What are the ways that you keep it in perspective? Like we were talking about just to start somewhere. What are those methods or tactics you use to get yourself in the mindset? This is something that I'm capable of dealing with. For one thing, just recognizing that the stress is there. Like I said, 90% of people say that they are stressed about money and probably even more millennials and Gen Zs, just because we have less income that we're trying to navigate and student loans and everything. And then from there, focusing on what's causing you that stress. It's unique to every individual, but I would say most of the money stress that we experience really comes down to two different things. One, we're always wanting more money. No matter how much money you make or how much money you're bringing in, it's never enough. That's our nature, I think, as humans, but especially Americans, yeah. our younger audience that we have. Fresh out of college, young adults, you might feel like you don't have a lot of money right now. My hope is that you'll eventually make more money, but... Just knowing that that's not the answer to all of our problems. I think a lot of people focus on, I want to make more money, more money, more money. And unless we get to the root of that, that money stress is always going to be there. If you think about looking at pictures of yourself from high school and you're like, oh my gosh, I was so skinny, but I thought I was fat in that picture type <laughs> of thing. Once you're older, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I would have killed to make the money that I make when I was 22 or 23. Also, as Americans in general, we tend to spend money that we don't have. We act like we have more money. And so that's a huge cause of the stress too. If that's the case for you, let's not avoid that. Let's dig deep into that. That's why we sign leases for apartments that we can't afford and buy cars that we can't afford. That was my story. I committed to a car payment that was way beyond what I could afford. And we live on credit cards just to afford the basic needs types of things. That's my first encouragement for you. I know it's really hard to get started, but... Just dive in deep into it, seek support and seek accountability and community too, I think is essential when it comes to finances. Don't be isolated by any means. That is just such a good positive way to say it. And I think a lot of times we get our emotions tied up in our money, whether it's like, oh my gosh, I have this car payment every month when it comes out of stressing or wanting more and envisioning our future. And that is obviously tied to money. You don't necessarily have to completely eradicate the emotional aspect out of it, but you have to realize like, okay, everyone is dealing with these struggles on some level and being with a community of people who are trying to understand it better and be more intentional about it is huge. I definitely want to hear more about that community aspect because I know that with Blossom Financial Coaching, you do some workshops and challenges. So I want to hear more about how you got into that and what those look like for people. Yeah, I think majority are they're struggling and they do it by themselves, which I hate. It's similar to mental health. It's really hard when you're struggling by yourself. I love having that community-based model in my programming. My bread and butter is one-on-one -on -one financial coaching, just so that way it's unique to the individual and we dive deep into what they're working on. But I do have group programming just because that's where you realize, one, that you're not alone. They want that support and accountability that you also are wanting. I do a vacation savings challenge. It's not even like 
oh, let's pay off debt together or something serious. Let's save for retirement. We're saving for vacations together. It's finding that supportive community to cheer you on. I think that's where community is really big of one, seeking the support, but two, celebrating your wins together just so that way it spurs you on to keep going and to keep saving, to keep paying off your debt, whatever the case is. But just finding that community that genuinely cares about your well-being. So if you don't already have a group of friends where you can be open about your finances, I know that's really hard seeking that out or finding a group program of some sort just to motivate you with your money, I think is absolutely essential because we're more apt to reach our goals when we have that accountability of someone asking us how to go. How can I help you? That's just so huge. That also gets rid of the shame aspect that a lot of people feel. Just having people you know that you can be open about your finances with is huge, but crossing that bridge often is a lot of shame, especially Mm -hmm. for people who might be struggling more. I was also going to say, I love the idea of vacation savings challenge because a lot of the financial advice that you see floating around out there on Instagram from like two dudes on a podcast talking about stock market or whatever. I feel like Uh it's very unrealistic. You need to be investing all your money or you need to be doing these three things every day. Like it's so future focused to the point where it's almost abstract and it's hard to Mm -hmm. even envision when would I even use this money? You know what I mean? So yeah, thing is like, it's more immediate. Even if you're planning a year or two years in advance, you are able to support your current lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to travel anyways, let's do it smart. I'm not a financial coach that's going to be like no traveling while you have debt and you're paying off your student loans or your car payment. A lot of people are like that, where they're like, you can't have any fun until you meet your goals. My husband and I, we had about $45,000 in debt that we accumulated in a two or three month period. So it was really quick with car payments and all the Mm -hmm. things. We still went on vacation when we were paying off our debt. We had two babies while we were paying off our debt. We did all the things. And so I think it's essential to have that balance. You'll be miserable if you don't let yourself do anything. If you don't let yourself buy a coffee because, you know, one coffee a day for 365 days is however much. I always see those things. I understand you can cut back on little expenses here and there, but definitely... Supporting your well-being sometimes means traveling and going out and doing things and not just kind of hoarding all your money away. You know, I'm a coffee girl, so I get coffee all the time. (laughs) If coffee matters to you or whatever the thing is, we're going to make sure we include it in your budget. But yeah, yeah, you have to live. And I think that's so important to keep that in mind. I hope that's an encouragement for people who are listening too, especially maybe if you are working on a savings goal or paying off your debt, make sure that you're living life. If you reach your goal six months later than what you would if you were really going hard, is that worth it for your mental health and for your social life and everything else? Just making sure that you still have those things intact. I love that. Okay, guys, time for a stretch. Refresh your beverage, get a snack, crack your knuckles, whatever you need to do. Because I have some little life updates for you. If you listen to the season two premiere, What's New Season Two, I instituted a little segment called Lil Life Updates, which is obviously a play on words because my name is Lil. But I wanted to bring at least one iota of the gumption community and love that I experience from your guys' positive feedback on the episodes into the episodes themselves so we can all take part in it. So here are some sweet updates from the Gumptioneers, and I really think we need to come up with a better name for the fan base, you guys, because I'm struggling to say that one with a straight face. Anyway, Libby said, I found a wedding dress. 
Congratulations, Libby. That is so exciting and I cannot wait to see the pictures. I'm sure you're going to be the most stunning bride. Izzy said, I onboarded a dream client, a fashion designer, and when I tell you I did stock this person's account, the creative direction is about to be insane. So I am so hyped for you, Izzy. I can't wait to see it. And final little life update from also Izzy. Love and be in my own trendsetter instead of following the status quo, happier and less stressed. You freaking go girl. Plus you're one of the most stylish and fun people I know. So honestly, not surprised, but very happy that it's brought you some internal peace. Keep up the good work. I lied. That was not the final little life update because I almost forgot to tell you guys it was my 24th birthday this past Tuesday, exactly a week after Halloween. It's always such a fun time of year for me and I felt so loved and supported and just celebrated this year for my birthday. Shout out to my girls who enjoyed some amazing margarita flights and disco dancing the other night with me in a very fun, very girly night out. Shout out to Eric, Morgan, and Frenchie who accompanied me to the 1975, one of my favorite concerts thus far. And shout out to Murphy, who literally just made me feel so special every single day from like last weekend all the way until today. And those are all the little life updates for right now. But if you guys want to be featured on the podcast, whether anonymously or by me sharing your name, keep a lookout for the little life update question box on my personal account, Instagram story at Lily Switz. The hope is to put this on the gumption account someday, but right now we have a very small but mighty following. So once that grows, we'll be able to ask for the little life updates on there. But for now, it's through little old me, your host. And back to Taylor to talk about saving money and traveling. I want to go back to the traveling thing because I personally love to travel and going to a school that was six hours away obviously involved some traveling. But after graduation, I've done a lot of traveling in the past year and a half. And I'm just very impressed with myself for being able to do that despite, you know, all the expenses I've had to take on of adult life. But you were talking about traveling smart. So I really want to hear what that would look like because I could benefit from it. But I know that a lot of my listeners love to travel. And that's definitely a topic we've explored on gumptions. Any tips you have for travel savings or even spending while you're traveling would love to hear. Yeah. In my vacation savings challenge, I encourage the women in that group to plan backwards. So I have this template that they fill out. I had a woman who is going to London next week and it's fully funded and paid for. So she's really excited, but she basically plotted out her trip. Here's what I plan to do every single day. And I have like a cool template where they actually plot out. This is what I think I'll spend for lunch that day. And like what I will spend on travel and activities and all those things. And obviously still allowing yourself to be spontaneous on your trip and have flexibility. But they always say that that's the biggest eye opener is like planning out how much do you think you're actually going to need to save? Because we tend to just book a trip and like, I'll figure it out later. And then you don't know if you have enough or like, I'll pay it off on my credit card or the month later. And so making sure you have more than what you need, I think is really great just to plan. I know that might be icky to some people to be like, no, I don't want to plan. <laughs> like, But setting that goal is really huge when it comes to saving. I would say personal finances, 70% 
psychology 30% numbers. It's understanding what makes you tick, what motivates you, why do you spend the way that you do, why do you hate saving, really diving deep into those things. I think that will really help you save for vacations. And remembering your why, like, why are you going? Is this important to you? Let's do it and track your progress and cutting back on some of the things that aren't as important if travel is really important to you. That's how it is for us. We don't eat out a ton because we would rather spend that on our travel savings that we're working on. That's so interesting. And the fact that you said the thing about spontaneity too, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to follow up on this because (laughs) that's definitely something that when people define gumption, I tend to see that a lot of their stories involve a really spontaneous moment, whether it's while they were traveling or just something they decided to do for themselves. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was kind of like spontaneity is the opposite of financial accountability and planning. But what you just said proved me wrong. And I love that because it's like, no, if you plan well and you're smart about it, you have room for the spontaneity. It's not like you have to plan that too, but there's flexibility for it. That's exactly it. Making sure you have that margin and that wiggle room to allow yourself to have like a gumptious, is that a word? Like a gumptious lifestyle? Like I've said gumptious I've made before. It up. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't just make that up then. Yeah, making sure you create that room. I know the word budget, again, is so icky. You feel restricted. You can't live the life that you want to live. Rethink budgeting as a way to give yourself permission to spend money. If you're giving yourself permission to spend on travel and making sure that it fits. It's creating more room for that gumptious lifestyle. So if you do have debt payments, let's say between your student loan, your car payment, credit cards, maybe you owe like $1,500 a minimum payments a month. Imagine if you did not owe that $1,500 a month and you got to keep that. How gumptious then could you be and how spontaneous could you be and risky could you be if you had that extra money in your pocket? I think that's a sacrifice worth doing now, especially for our younger viewers, like tackle that debt so that way you can have that margin to do all the fun things. And it's also making me think of this trend right now, girl math, which I just find to be very (laughs) funny. I'm sure you've seen. I love it. No, I think it's funny. Yeah. It's so funny. I do with Starbucks. Yeah. Like how I load my (laughs) app. I'm like, this is free coffee. I already bought it. Like we're good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And like cash back on things. But You know, it's Uh interesting because I saw this one video of a girl saying, I love going to concerts because by the time the concert actually comes around, it was so long ago that I bought the ticket. It's basically free. Uh And I think what you said in a more intuitive, complex way is illustrating that exact thing. You can enjoy the trip or the concert or even just a month where you don't have to pay down that much debt on your credit card by just doing the planning on the front end and being a little bit more intentional about it. Even like Taylor Swift, what are those tickets? A thousand plus dollars. Oh my gosh. If you paid for it beforehand, you really get to enjoy that concert and you can just remember it with positive thoughts. But let's say you put it on a credit card, you have to pay for it months later. You still had an amazing time and you probably don't regret it, but you're just paying for that. It's more stress. It's causing you more stress probably than what it was actually worth too. In the spirit of a gumptious lifestyle, more about your gumption stories. I give every guest the opportunity to share their gumption story Since that was how the podcast was born, having these really cool conversations with people and hearing their different stories and perspectives that inspired me to live a more adventurous and bold life. If you have like a specific moment or it can even be more of a long-term resolution, I would love to hear your gumption story. 
I knew you were going to ask this question. So I've been thinking long and hard of which one should I use? I do have a few different situations where I have really practiced that gumption, but I figured I would talk about my own personal finance journey just because it's relevant to this. I think. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. So like most people, like most of you guys, I never was taught budgeting stuff or how to save money or how to avoid debt growing up in school or, or from my family. But when my husband and I got married back in 2018, we both were debt-free going into the marriage. Fortunately, I had not had any, had any debt at that point. My husband had um, a minimal amount that he took care of. But within the first two or three months of marriage, we went from $0 in debt to accumulating $45,000 in debt. We bought a fixer-upper and had to take a personal loan to fix it up because that's what you do, right? After you get a big kid job and you get married, yeah. you buy a house and you do the thing. I bought a brand new Ford Explorer SUV because that's what you post about, right? When you get your new car. I did that. Guilty. Yeah. I mean, that's just the normal thing, right? I'm sure other people can relate. And we had some travel debt from our honeymoon, so that's also why I'm really passionate about avoiding the travel debt at all costs. A few months into being married, we were just so sick and tired of sending all of our paychecks to things we already purchased and things we already bought because we didn't make a lot of money at the time. And most of our money was going toward that. Really teaching myself, all right, how do I get out of this? So that way I can keep my money. What do I need to do? That's the first time I really started budgeting. And I think with the gumption piece, I had to say no to a lot of things that were really hard. Telling my coworkers, no, I'm not going to go out to eat lunch with you guys. I'm going to bring my lunch or going out with my friends less, not buying as many outfits. I know that's probably a different story than what other speakers have said, but just getting out of that debt. So we completely paid off that 45000 It took us about two years or so. We still lived life. We went to Disney a few times, had some babies during that time and camped and whatnot, and then started teaching people. So not only paying off that debt and learning it the hard way, but then starting to teach. So that way I can help other people avoid the mistakes that we made and learn the lessons we learned a lot, lot quicker. That is a great story for many reasons. One, because whether people realize this or not, gumption is not anti-reality. I am always very aware of the different pressures that are on me and that doesn't always prevent me from doing really fun and awesome bold things. I think you have to have the knowledge of that to be able to say I'm going to choose happiness or kindness or adventure or whatever because ignoring those things will only just come back to bite you later. Also hilarious how you just said I had two babies. Like it was no big deal. Like you're like, yeah, we had babies. I'm like, okay, girl, that is amazing. Birth was the easy part compared to like raising <laughs> toddlers. Like they're nuts. <laughs> I love your story because it was just very realistic, but also we're going to make a change. We don't like that this is affecting our lifestyle and we're going to do something about it. That is gumption in its raw form because sometimes things aren't pretty and you have to do something about it. And rather than being scared or Maybe you are scared, but you still make the change anyway and try to learn about it. And they say that teaching people something is the best way to learn more yourself because you have to have a good knowledge of it to explain it to someone else. So I think that's yeah. cool that, you know, in your own struggle, you guys were like, no, we're going to help other people too. That's just like very admirable. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. In your journey of starting to research those things for yourself, were there mm -hmm. any books or shows, podcasts, like anything that really helped you? I know there's just a lot of information out there. So that's kind of why I wanted to ask because it can be almost overwhelming to start looking for answers to things. And then you're just like bombarded with all these different things. 
So Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what helped you specifically. We stumbled across Dave Ramsey's content. Are you familiar with him? He's pretty extreme. So he's not everyone's cup of tea. It definitely helped us as we were like wanting to be a little bit more drastic on things. He's really big about being debt free and he has a certain order that he wants people to follow. So his curriculum was good if like you're really wanting to go all in, but just know he is pretty extreme on stuff. So it causes some people more anxiety than what it's worth. I followed his program, but I don't follow all of his principles when I'm coaching people now. But I would just caution you all that there's info overload when it comes to personal finance content. Everyone has an opinion when it comes to money, just because maybe it worked for them one way. But personal finance stuff is so unique to every individual and explore what works for you and be cautious that it's not regulated. So a lot of people who are giving their two cents probably have no clue what they're talking about. It's good to vet your sources. Do they have an accreditation? The accreditation I have, it's called the Accredited Financial Counselor, AFC. So like that's Mm -hmm. a really good one to watch out for. There's great stuff on Instagram and, and even TikTok, but just be careful, especially with the investing stuff to not skip ahead and invest money when without focusing on the basic stuff of where's your money going, saving money, debt management, all of that. A lot of the decisions we make about money are because of our personal insecurities or stresses or the positive end, our aspirations and our goals and all those things. So I love that you approach it that way because there is no one size fits all solution necessarily. One piece of advice that you would give to yourself when you were younger about money. You have the knowledge of now helping coach other people. So I guess, how would you have coached yourself? And I'm sorry, that was such a, like, that made it sound like you were so old. That was- I I am 30, so for everyone listening, I'm old. (laughs) Millennial. (laughs) It's not old Um, at all. When I think of a college tailor entering into my first job, I was always working so hard. I always had like two or three jobs between something on campus or off campus. And I didn't take on any debt necessarily, but I had nothing to show for it after I was done. When it comes to saving money, when I think back, if I could talk to younger Taylor, I would just tell her to save something. The The visual that I use for my clients is that saving money is like a muscle. I'm not so much as focused on, I want you to save X amount of dollars. I want you more so to build the habit. And so that's what I would tell her is like, even if you're saving five or $10 a paycheck, it might seem pretty insignificant and not even worth it. But one, it adds up quick. But two, I'm just building that savings muscle. So then that way... When I do have the paycheck, I am a little bit better at saving and I'm just getting better with it over time. Hopefully that is encouraging for other people too. Don't feel like you have to all of a sudden save a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars. Set aside a regular consistent amount, even if it's just a couple bucks. I think that's huge just to to get good at it and build your savings muscle. I wish I knew that in college because I definitely was in the same position. I always had multiple jobs and I felt like Still, every month I was like, where did all my money go? Like, I wasn't even doing anything crazy. (laughs) So it's just like, maybe I have a spending muscle. I don't know. I feel like my first (laughs) instinct is not to save, but I'm definitely trying to get better about that. I like the idea of making it a habit because then it's just ingrained in you and not in like a, oh, something bad is going to happen if I don't save, but it just builds that flexibility. You could do something spontaneous at some point because you've been consistent Mm -hmm. about the saving. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Get good at doing it first and then you can focus on increasing that and doing bigger amounts. One thing I wanted to have you share a little bit more about was the accountability piece, specifically a couple ways 
to hold yourself accountable. I know we talked about the community aspect and having people around you to help you do that. So apologies if I'm stealing your thunder with that answer. But if you don't have friends that you could talk about finances or a community that you've joined for that reason, what are some things you can do just for yourself to stay accountable to your goals? This is going to sound super cheesy, but I would encourage you to create a SMART goal. I know that's so cheesy and we did them a million times in school, so you don't have to do the acronym. You do really need to get specific about what do you want for yourself? What are you hoping to accomplish? Dive down deep into the amount and set a deadline for yourself that's realistic because I think that deadline piece is crucial. Um, For accountability for yourself, track your progress. Again, it's all psychology, so make it positive, whatever motivates you. If you're motivated by Starbucks like me, when you hit many milestones, go get a cup of coffee. Or um, a lot of the people that I coach, they're very visual. So they actually have color trackers. So when they save a certain amount of money, they color it in. Or when they pay off $100 of debt, they color it in. Visually reminding yourself and hanging that on your bathroom mirror, hang on your fridge, wherever you need to do just to have that visual reminder. But yeah, that accountability piece is like, so invaluable, whether that's people in your life already, whether it's friends or family or other support networks that you have. For me, I found a coworker. Her and her husband were also doing something similar. I got to talk with her and that was very neutral outside of my other friends and social life that I had. Or even hiring somebody like me, for example, if you do want that private, more confidential, I don't want anyone else to know that I'm struggling, but I know I want that accountability and support of someone who's neutral. Finding a financial coach that you trust that meets your needs and will help you reach those goals. Because sometimes it's just a matter of like, hey, how are you doing? Or just knowing that you're going to have a a check-in base with somebody just to know. Taylor's going to ask me about how this went or if I ended up spending that money and it's never yelling at you or like if you do it it's not a bad thing but I think there's just so much power in a friend or or a coach being like how did that go no that is so true and for me specifically I feel like I really relate to that because I've talked about this with a lot of people on gumption but I am somehow still in the school mentality I'm still looking for validation in some ways almost like homework or like grades. It's hard when you are a full-blown adult and you have a job. And even though there's performance reviews, that doesn't necessarily give you the same kind of check-in that you're doing well. (laughs) I love the idea of a visual tracker because then it doesn't lie. You look at it and it's it's Uh there or it's not. I was also thinking something I might try to do if I do one of those trackers is to maybe put little pictures in it or something. If I'm able to go on a trip because I've saved X amount of money and then maybe putting a couple pictures from the trip to be like, okay, this is what can be if I stick to this. I'm a very visual person. So I like that you mentioned that. That's such a good point. So I had a client, she said that her goal, it was a lofty goal in her mind, but it really wasn't. She wanted to just buy this fixer upper camper, you know, the trendy thing to redo a camper. And so I'm like, find a picture of what you would love to have, what you would love to make. And she literally hung it on her fridge. So that way she always had that visual why and that reminder. So I love that for your trips. Where do you want to go? Find a picture, hang it up, but find people who not only are like, hey, did you do this? Or but find people who celebrate when you go into Target and not buy something at the dollar spot or like, yeah. when you, like <laughs> don't get the extra stuff at Starbucks or some of those little things. Or if you don't fight about money with your partner, find ways to celebrate because that's what's going to maintain your motivation for the long haul. Don't focus only on the numbers, focus on behavioral growth too. Yeah, that is so smart because then it's not like you're burning yourself out to pay off debt or 
save for something because yeah. then you just can't enjoy life as it's happening while you're saving or paying off the thing. For someone who is listening to this, myself included, I'm already thinking, how am I going to kind of take more control over my finances after this? Because I'm feeling so inspired by everything you've said. Where is a good place to start from scratch? Obviously, everyone's goals are different, but if you need to just put your nose to the grindstone and start making those little habitual changes, what would you recommend doing? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would encourage you to do is do a spending audit and it's going to be like really painful. Just putting it out there, that's going to be the hardest part. But if you're not already aware of what's coming and leaving your pocket, your bank account, this is being recorded in the month of October. Go back to September and print out Mm -hmm. all your statements from your credit cards and your debit account. How are you spending your money? That's one of the first things I have my clients do just because like eating out in particular, myself included, you don't realize how much money you spend on things until you actually add it up. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm spending a thousand dollars a month on eating out or 300 on coffee. It's really painful, but that awareness is half the battle. So that would be something that I encourage people to do if they aren't already that clarity of like what's coming and going. And then from there, of course, would be to create some type of a plan, how you want to spend your money. And again, Budgeting isn't hard, but it can be hard to get started. So my encouragement too for people, it takes about three months to get good at budgeting and have like a good working budget. Most people quit similar to working out you quit in that first week or even that first month and so stick it out for at least three months and seek support when you need it just because there are plenty of people and professionals that are available to help you and resources that are free online too I definitely could sense that the spending on it would be very painful but I will say something that has helped me is I started using rocket money it's by rocket mortgage and basically you just link all of your accounts whether they're credit cards or debit cards or checking account savings I think you can even put investments on there as well but it helps you track and it gives you a metric it'll put it in a graph so that you can see like every day that you go on or even if you look on a monthly basis how much your spending was there's a little pie chart with categories which I personally really like because you can categorize transactions as shopping or fees. You can look at it with bills taken out and then with bills included. And it's just very helpful for visual people too, to see like, oh my gosh, I was doing so much shopping last month. Maybe I need to tone it down. I think it's free. I I don't pay for it. I think so. At the very least, they have a free option. I feel like a lot of the apps have a free or a paid. For me, there's been seasons in my life where I've paid for apps. And that sounds so silly, but it helped keep me accountable. Whatever works for you, figure out that awareness of what you're spending. Because if you have no clue how you're spending your money, it's really hard to be strategic and intentional with what direction you're wanting to head. That spending audit's really, really hard, but it's just one of those things you have to rip off the band-aid and just do it if you're wanting to go all in. So don't be discouraged when you're seeing how much money you're spending on different things but just really use it as inspiration to keep going. The other thing I forgot to mention about it, their claim to fame is they have a subscription tracker because with all these different Mm -hmm. subscriptions that we now have, you forget, even if you're someone like me, who's very aware of what I'm spending, whether I do anything about it, that's another story, but it's very helpful because it'll list all your recurring transactions. And then if you need help canceling them, they have a service where they will cancel the, the transaction for you. Which is huge because I feel like a lot of the time you have to call and it just takes so long. That's how companies keep making money off the subscription, even if it's $2 a month. That adds up. 
Those apps are great though, because then they increase the pricing all the time and you don't even know it. You can make that decision each month. Should I still keep this? Should I not? Is it worth this price? That's so true. I want to give you the floor in case there's anything else we didn't talk about that you want to share. And also to share all of your information, if people want to connect with you or Blossom Financial Coaching. Yeah, if you're interested in working with me with Blossom Financial Coaching, most of my clients I meet with one-on-one, just so that way you have that individual connection. It's completely confidential and we work on goals that are specific to you. And so really how my process works is... Every client first schedules what's called a clarity session. It's a 90-minute virtual session, and we really just dive deep into whatever you're wanting to accomplish. So we'll do that spending audit together. That way you don't have to feel like you're doing it alone and feeling discouraged, but you'll leave that session with a working budget, a spending plan, a plan for your debt, whatever is applicable to you. So that way you can hit the ground running. And so that's just a one-time session. And then you can commit to like a weekly or bi-weekly accountability program. Then also, as we said earlier, I have a few group programs. I have a vacation savings challenge that'll launch late January, early February. Follow me if you're interested in that. And we also do monthly meetups for women to come together and find support and accountability. If you are wanting that group, you can reach me through my Instagram. It's Blossom Financial Coaching. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter on there through the link in my bio. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation a lot and I learned a lot. So thank you for agreeing to be on gumption and share all your wisdom. There you have it, my friends. Do you feel enlightened? Because I sure did after this conversation. And I really feel like some of that stress, embarrassment, shame, whatever you want to call it, has been lifted from me in my perspective of how I view my money. And frankly, I'm really excited to take that attitude into the holiday season. It's a season of gift giving. And while that definitely means a lot of spending, I think this new way of looking at it is going to be very, very freeing. I am also trying to do hella traveling in 2024. So thinking ahead to that, I really want to participate in one of Taylor's savings challenges for vacations and just see how that community is because it sounds like it's wonderful. This episode also could not come at a more perfect time because Taylor is offering a free virtual workshop this Wednesday, November 15th about keeping finances festive. Just thinking about all the gifts that you're going to be buying. It's a high spend season with decor and activities and Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all those fun things. It'll help you plan for the season and be prepared so that when January hits, you're not having a financial hangover, as she calls it, which I've definitely experienced that. So I like that term. You can sign up at the link in her bio on Instagram at Blossom Financial Coaching, which is linked in this episode description. And it'll also be in our Gumption bio link. Also, she is running a very special deal just for us Gumption listeners. Use code Gumption when you're booking your first clarity session with Blossom Financial Coaching and you will get 25% off, which is such a good deal, you guys. So excited for all of you to crush your financial goals with me as we go into 2024. And last but not least, keep following at Gumption should pod on instagram for new episode and guest announcements fun content and ways to interact with the community as always if you've made it this far you're the best love you guys bye